0: Welcome to The Whole Enchilada, a community of high achievers that fight the status quo, rebel against mediocrity, and make life happen. Let's go. Hey, Enchilada Nation, uh, very excited about our guest today. It's actually been uh, funny. Jay and I have been going back and forth for the last month or so trying to get our schedules to line up, Uh, but I've been so anxious and excited about this conversation. So my guest today is the one and only Jay Papasan. A lot of us uh, uh, are in the KW world, obviously know Jay at a high level. Uh, Jay is currently the VP of strategic content at KWRI, along with his other titles, which I'll turn over to him for a minute. But Jay, before I have you introduce yourself, I just want to tell you how uh, much I've appreciated your voice inside of, of Keller Williams. Um, when you're on stage, I think you offer such a unique uh, voice, just because you're so thoughtful and cognitive about the status of things. Which I just love that calming uh, voice that you bring to the table. I think it's a perfect balance. Anytime you're you're talking, I'm listening. So thank you for being you. Tell us a little bit about yourself before we jump into our conversation today.
1: Well, Marcus, thank you. I'd love hearing that. As an introvert, anytime on on stage, a lot of times, like time stops for me. Like people, I like. How did you think it went? It's like, I don't really remember it. Like I'm just very focused on delivering and it's good to hear that I do a good job. Cause I, my coaches have made me go back and watch or listen to a podcast, but it's not something I enjoy doing.
0: Uh, oh, I, I hear you every time uh, before I, I get in front of a group, sometimes I got to go hype myself up a little bit, which surprises <laughs> people.
1: There you go. So I've been here for 23 years before that I was in publishing. Uh, the, the gift of joining keller williams was a couple of years into it i I started as a newsletter writer right i'd come from publishing in new york there weren't any publishing jobs in austin took a job kind of so i could write and then a couple of years later found out gary wanted to write books we wrote the millionaire real estate agent which your real estate uh listeners probably recognize in about 100 days with dave Jinks, in the summer of 2002 Uh, that came out in 2003 and at some point in the next two years uh, he proposed we become business partners and originally it was gary dave Jenks, and myself that formed like a little partnership to own the copyrights and create more books Um, eventually dave left the partnership when he retired and i bought him out so gary and i are partners in that company we're co-authors in all the books, and we also launched a company around the one thing called Productive, and we do a lot of goal-setting and corporate training through that. So the big thing missing from that resume is I'm married to Wendy Papizan Like, these days, they're like, you're Gary's co-author, or you're Wendy's husband, right? It's not just Jay. Like, I'm I'm attached to some one or the other, um, and she's, of course, a, a top agent here in Austin, and, you know, my lovely wife, my inspiration.
0: Yeah, she she is pretty incredible. So whether whether depending doesn't matter which route they know you by. They're both phenomenal things, whether through her and her influence or or your influence on your home. Well, I love that. I I mean, here's the, all the books you guys have have written have been so impactful. But I did I did want to focus our conversation around the book, the one thing today, as it is the 10 year anniversary of the book, the one thing. And I it's right there. I will tell you that it is. Um, of I'm a I'm an avid reader. I love to read and learn of, uh, it is the most quoted book for me in, in all the classes I teach across the country and probably the book I've given away the most, uh, Yay. over the last decade as well, just because I think the, the message is so powerful and so relevant. I actually brought it with me for those of you listening, you won't be able to see it, but I wanted to show Jay that this is a domino. I went and bought a full domino set after I first <laughs> read the book just for this one domino. And for three years, I carried this domino in my pocket every single day, uh, just be able to tap my my pocket and remind myself, okay, are you on your one thing? Are you focused on your one thing? And it was just such a visual thing for me to feel that weight in my pocket to remind me of like, all right, there's a lot of stuff going on, but am I I focused on the right thing? So I I thought you'd find that comical that I still have this sitting next to my desk here. We Uh, had some made at
1: one point, I lost mine. I was given a bunch of them at different times, you know, because of the theme in the book. And I know maybe we stored them somewhere, but I I used to have one on my desk and it was just a nice reminder. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It still is a great reminder for me. So I'm curious, even though the the book's been so impactful for me, I'm I'm just curious from your perspective, uh, when you wrote this book, I'm sure that you still get just countless people coming up and telling you different parts of the book that were impactful to them. I'm just curious, just as a, a content creator myself, like what has that journey been for you of just like being recognized? even 10 years later for words you penned and put on a piece of paper and the impact it's having
1: well i mean the recognized in the sense that it still gets good reviews and people still pass it along it's not like people recognize me in the street so it's like just like just to be super clear this is not like a taylor swift moment it's more like a champion duck collar walking into bassin pro shop or something right like i'm very very niche 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 um in terms of that sort of notoriety but i love it i mean it's uh i usually acknowledge that it did we put a lot of work we worked on the book for almost four and a half years we got interrupted um but we never stopped working on it um trying to think like I think we did everything we could to make it timeless and last as long as we could. We'd already seen, wow, like, you know, the millionaire real estate agent, when we published this book, was 10 years old. And we were like, it's still trucking. Like, we have to do that again. We have to write a book that can be out there for a long time. And then we got lucky. I think it's like, you can do everything that you plan to do, but then timing finds you. Like, I have a theory of what makes some books kind of perennial bestsellers. And I think it's that idea that you you capture some big movement, a wave that's happening, and your book happens to solve a big problem. I think the problem we solved, at that point, we were about four or five years into the iPhone revolution. And there had been smartphones before that, but the iPhone made the smartphone just a phone. You didn't call them smartphones anymore. And now everybody, our kids, all of us were connected all the time. And I think that, that was a there was a deep sense of overwhelm at how fast things were changing, how much access we had. And people look in a bookstore and go, the one thing that sounds really appealing right now because I'm juggling too much. Um, I look at James Clear. He worked for like nine or 10 years writing his blog before that book came out. He had a huge following. It was going to be a bestseller. And when it launched for about three months, it was selling two or 3,000 copies a week, which is those match set for our launch week, the best weeks we ever had. So it was going to be a million copy bestseller. Then COVID happened like five months after he published it. And by the end of COVID, he was selling 35,000 copies. Wow. And I, I look at that and I was like, all these people got locked up at home. They no longer had a commute. They still had to go to work like we're doing right now on Zoom. But then they got all that time back. And and there was a percentage of them, a lot of them, that said, I'm going to work on me. Is there a book out there that'll help me work on me? And his was like, hey, right there on the bestseller list. So like, I don't want to diminish his accomplishment. I just think that I could go and pick apart a bunch of bestsellers and tell you there was some social movement that made them like a lot of books will be bestsellers, but multi-million copy bestsellers—that's luck. Like yeah. you can do everything right, but you've got to have something else happen to make that happen. So that's my reaction. It's like, yeah. I, I'm proud of the work we did, and I'm also really happy we got lucky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Long
1: I, I, answer, a little nerdy from the publishing side, maybe, but that's that's how that's my theory.
0: Yeah, no, I can I, I can appreciate that because it it the. Uh... The truth of the matter is, it, it could have been penned beautifully, perfect words, perfect sentences. But if it didn't solve a problem, the immediate problem for people, there wouldn't have been enough relevancy for it to catch fire. Yeah. It, it, and I think you, I think you nailed nailed it on the head because I. It's funny I when I first read the book, it was in February of 2013, um, and the reason I That's know right that after it, it. that
1: was before it was
0: officially published. Oh, was it? In- interesting because the, the way I know that was uh, the, I, I actually pulled up a document I wrote to myself on, on February 20th of 2013
1: uh-huh. while
0: reading the book where I did the domino exercise, where I was overwhelmed with all that I was trying to build and focus on. And I went through that exercise where I'm like, what am I, what's the end game? What am I really trying to accomplish? What's that massive yeah. domino? And then I worked backwards and figured I was only 10 steps away from really what I, my biggest goal, I, it was a moment of clarity for me, but I, I wrote that on February 20th of 2013. And I, I I worked it backwards. I thought you'd laugh at. It. I I worked through this whole thing and got to. I wrote in big letters at the bottom of it. My one thing: control my calendar, train and coach my wealth determinators, revise my P and P, and grow. And I know that this isn't one thing, but in that moment, that was revelation. No,
1: that's life. your series of priorities, yeah. right? That's your priorities, and if yes. you line them up like dominoes, for those who haven't read the book, that's the domino metaphor. If you line them up, you knock over the first one and each one gets progressively easier or it happens on its own. So when we came out with the book, it would have been at Family Reunion in February of 2013. Yeah. We had worked out a deal with Amazon and our publisher that if people pre ordered a hard copy, which clearly you did, you immediately got access to an ebook version. So you would have read it on Kindle or one of the other formats. Yep. That's the only way you could have read it on that date.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So I, I was an early, early adopter. You're early Wolfram, adopter. I started the craze for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, awesome. every now and then I hear a story of someone who read the book, then took some time to figure out what their one thing is. I mean, there's a reason when you look on the back of the book, we'd already written multiple bestsellers. We could have had all kinds of accolades or whatever. Yeah. Um, this is a newer printing that has the words, what's your one thing? But forever, the first 17 printings, 16 printings, just had a question mark. We were very clear when we wrote the book. What's the one thing we want people to do when they're done? Well, I hope they'll ask, what's my one thing? Because clarity is the beginning of the journey. If you get clear, well it's almost scary. Now I don't have an excuse. I can't say I don't know what to do now. I've got a really good idea of what I should do. And now I actually have to go do it.
0: Yeah. I love that. A moment ago, you had mentioned that you were, you were aiming to build timeless principles. Yeah. I think, I think it's interesting because here we are a decade later in in a completely different economic landscape than we were uh, 10 years ago um and and the pace of the world like believe it or not is just so much faster than it was even a decade ago when things really started to to speed up the my question for you is as the author who i know continues to do a ton of research is do you do you feel like the book is missing anything is there anything if you were making a new a new book the one thing is is there a principle you would change or add to it
1: uh there's a lot i would add there's been a lot of little bits of research that we picked up along the way that shows up in our corporate training and speeches, I think the biggest missing ingredient is the step before we get to purpose, right? So we kind of have the iceberg analogy about two-thirds of the way through the book. And this, when you see a really productive person, what lies under that, like the iceberg, there's all the step beneath it, is a sense of priority. And the priority comes from a sense of purpose. hmm Purpose gives you priority and priority. If you're working your priorities, we thought you're productive. And we underestimated how challenging it is for people, especially busy entrepreneurs, to really kind of sit back and do that introspect in, in introspection kind of game. Who am I? Where am I going? Why do I want that? Where, what kind of person do I want to become? So I mean, I got it. like I, even when we were writing it, like Gary was clear which is part of the reason he's Gary Keller. And I had notions and I really struggled to latch onto something. So it was probably, I don't know, four or five years into the journey um, through reading and following a couple of other authors, some ideas connected and we started doing core values. So Gary and I have been kicking around like an outline of what we would add to the book if we did a second edition. Um, we talked about doing it for the 10th anniversary but the only people who cares the 10th anniversary is us and maybe like a super fan like you, nobody else knows that. But if they're a fan of the book, they might see second edition. So we actually do have an outline um, that we're building of some of the stuff that we might add, but I think there's a whole chapter missing. Mm. And it would be how core values and identifying them is a step forward in getting to your purpose. It gives you a compass like, okay, Now, like my top values are impact, family, and abundance. And for me to make a really big decision for my life, it needs to be kind of a nine out of 10 for all three, certainly for my number one value. But like the moment I really got clear that that was my criteria at at heart that I was using to make the big decisions, it kind of starts to guide you down this path of what's important to you in, in other places. So that that's the biggest thing I think that we learned along the journey that I would go back and add, because I think it's also transformative when you get that kind of clarity. In the absence of goals, a compass at least tells you which way to go, right? And I think of your values as your compass, because your values are where your standards come from, what you will and won't tolerate.
0: Yeah. I, I, so I'm so intrigued right now at that because it's interesting. I was, I was just up in Minnesota this last week, teaching my wealth building class to a handful of entrepreneurs up there. And I always surprise them a little bit at the beginning of the conversation. Cause I start with the idea of, if you don't know what your purpose is, the yeah. wealth building conversation doesn't matter behind it. Cause you can't even define what wealth means to you behind that. If you don't know your purpose. And it's something that's always been interesting to me is like, why, why do we Can I jump in on that? Please, please. I know where you're going. And I don't know that maybe your audience, your regular audience
1: does. But like when we defined wealth and the millionaire real estate investor, in the very beginning, it was having the unearned income so that you could pursue your mission in life without having to work. And purpose, mission, kind of interchangeable. Like if you don't know why you're here, like could you ever truly be wealthy? Absolutely. is exact, that where you were going with that? That's
0: exactly, that's the okay. comment I make with them there is like, I know you're here to talk about wealth but we have to start with this or you can't really define wealth but the the question I have for you on um, behind that is I I I wonder why it, I I have two theories why people don't take the time to do that work okay um, one is they it's uncomfortable there's some element of this like if I have to go internally, I'm going to uncover some things that I know need some focus that I've spent my life hiding these feelings, you know, that I don't want to uncover and talk about. Or the other piece of it is, is we're just so fast paced and have so many tasks ahead of us, like right in front of us that need our attention, that we shortcut the, that conversation of identifying our purpose or our big why And don't really flesh it out because we come to a quick conclusion of like, that's good enough. Now let me get back to these tasks, but I can't quite figure out why people fight that process of like, let me really discover my, my core values or my purpose. Any thoughts on that? I'm thinking, yeah,
1: there's, I mean, I have a lot of ideas. I think, I think it is like people avoid it knowingly or unknowingly by being busy. Right. Um, You know, the book, uh, The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. The whole book is about the idea that most entrepreneurs don't have any thinking time at all to work on the business versus in it. Right. That's the old e-myth paradigm. Yep. Well, we're talking about we're always working kind of in what we do, but not on who we are. And I don't think it's a muscle most people have ever been taught to use. Um, you might be the first person that's ever told them they even should do it. I didn't pick this up in grade school. Church has a notion, but they're trying to insert a higher purpose mm-hmm. that you just inherit from your parents or your faith versus this other sense of mission that you could live within that. So, like, I, I just don't know that anybody points people to do it. And it's not a natural thing. This idea, I call it because I grew up going to Sunday school, the road to Damascus moment, right? We're just not going to get this like voice of God and get struck blind on the highway. Like, I think that happens very little. A lot of times it happens when people are in midlife, have a near-death experience, like they battle cancer and they get really clear. It's like, whoa, I don't have forever. I got to figure this thing out. But like the rest of us, thank God, don't have that experience. I don't want to have to have something awful, but we do have the opportunity to just ask the question, why am I here? What matters to me? Or am I just chasing the next thing? And um, so I'll go back to we're busy. I don't know that it's just avoidance. I think, too, it is uncomfortable. So I think everything you said is right, because looking in the mirror is a little uncomfortable. Uh The the difference between just seeing yourself and seeing yourself truly is like most of the time we're going around, we screw up all the time, but we give ourselves credit because we know our intentions were generally good. Well, I didn't mean to do it. That's not what I intended to say, or that's not how I intended you to hear it. And we give ourselves all this grace, and uh, there's something about kind of removing the I know your motivation and just looking cold hard, like, but where have you been going? Like, you've been, Jay, you've been chasing money your whole life. That's not me, by the way. Yeah. Why? Like, you went through three divorces. Yeah, like, you look hard at the track record without the intentions. And there also is a pattern. And that pattern kind of says, like, it's because you value this. And sometimes the things we value could be cheesy could be a little embarrassing might be something that you're not proud of um and dare to lead by Brené brown did you read that book marcus very good book she talks about this she has a different framework right but i remember thinking yay she's like a real psychologist and she's talking about this we're not just making this stuff up right but um she desperately wanted her number one value to be family because that's what she talked about yeah But her realization was, is that that was dishonest. And that courage was her number one value. And that what you find later, what she discovered later, is that in living that value, it was the gift that she gave her family. And so, like, just because something's out there, like, that's the dilemma. Like, people go, whoa, what if this means I really do love money? Does that make me a bad person? No, money is neutral. It's a tool. What you do with it, if you fund terrorism, you're a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> right? Or you could build hospitals. Yeah. So like, don't judge it. Just realize there's something that's inside you that's driving you towards this thing. And we get to kind of interpret that and live with it. But it's like, a lot of times people, like the, what, what shows up and they know is the truth, they don't like. And so they run away. Yeah, I'm going to go one more story because this is sure. like, you can't tell this is a soapbox issue for me, right? I'm like this is a big deal. Yeah. In our one thing community, uh, one of the people who now works with me, they came out of that group and it was Mark and Jenny. We took him through this exercise at our goal setting retreat. And Mark, if you knew him, you would know this was true. His number one value is fun. He's just going to have fun on journey. Like if we yeah. don't win, we don't win, but we're going to have fun. And like, that's just his thing. Like, if you know what, there's nothing to do, let's have an nerf, nerf war. <laughs> His wife's number one is like order. And it just created this mm. massive sense of she thought that she's the boring one. Right? Because like, while he's having an earth war, she's trying to clean up while they're still doing it. Yeah. But the moment they could articulate that, then they both were able to support each other. Now when Mark's going to start a nerf war with her boys he's like and when we're done we will clean up. Yeah. <laughs> so you can look the other way while we mess up the living room but we're going to have some fun and we and and thank you for cleaning up after us cuz her that's how she shows her love. Yeah. So anyway, like I could go nerd out on you for days about this but I was like wow, just like a 20-minute exercise gets people so much closer to the very idea that we were going for in purpose. But purpose feels heavy i want to write books to save the whales like uh, maybe but like how do we get to that
0: yeah Now that the aha i'm taking away from this is because i i've really taken the time to flesh out my personal mission vision statement i have it up on my wall i look at it every day good but, for
1: you <laughs> way to go
0: yeah thank you thank you it's funny I, I tell people all the time you know i've read it thousands of times and it still fires me up but the, the thing i've taken away from this conversation is is It'd be fun to go through this core values exercise to say like, what, what core values drive this for me? And then the second thing there that you, that, that, oh yeah, look at that. Yeah, the, I worked
1: uh, with a, a friend of mine that runs the best self company. She was making decks and I just said, I had a, a prototype I'd made for our goal setting retreat. And I said, will you do this exercise? I think this should be a product. And she agreed. So we partnered and made the okay. core values deck.
0: Uh, for those of you listening, you just showed me a a deck of cards. It, it sounds like it comes from the. It's,
1: it's the the one thing, the core values. Oh, the, one thing. the
0: one thing, core values deck. Yeah,
1: and I just partner with it. It's just a way to do the exercise that's kind of tactile in front. But there's, you can also download a PDF. Yeah. And and go do it.
0: Yeah, I love it. And the the, the follow up aha I had to that, and you sharing that story was it's not it's almost not enough, particularly from a leadership standpoint or a relationship standpoint to identify your own core values. You got to understand how your core values interact or collide with people around you, but not in a way of trying to align their core values with your own, but how do your core values coexist?
1: Well, yeah, you said it perfectly. Like it would be that way with our goals too. Like if we're going to be in a relationship for a long time, man, our values very, very, should be compatible, right? Uh, we got to find a way for them to coexist because if we violate them constantly, we're not going to want to be partners. Our goals need to be in alignment. Are we basically heading the same direction, right? That's what it all comes down to. The beauty of taking it as a business person and entrepreneur all the way to that mission statement, right? Yeah. Now it becomes very specific and very unique. There are a lot of people that have a number one value of impact. It's not that special. I just know that it's true for me. Yeah. And but if you have a mission statement, because so many people have a notion but haven't done the work as a business entrepreneur, like the people who that are attracted to your mission statement may not need that exact same thing, but it functions the same way. It's like, oh, you're headed south. I was born in Fargo and I want warmer weather and you're headed south. I'm headed south. Let's go south together. Yeah. And they may leave at some point on the way when they realize that mission statement isn't perfectly their own, but it allows them to adopt one with very little work. And they get that sense of I'm building something that's mission related, which is very, very powerful for retention. It gets people to show up in a different way every day. Anyway, on and on. So I just want to say, like, I'm not poo-pooing what you did on the wall. Yeah. I'm pointing the wrong way. That's that way for you. But that... um that's actually super powerful. You've you've taken it to its logical extension.
0: Yeah. No, and it's it is. It's like even with my people, just like, it does give them that um, you know, where where maybe my because the heart, the challenge is is along this way, it's not, it's not this easy. No matter how good you are at applying the one thing, it's a there's a mess, right? It's oh. not like this sequential, like my to-do list and my my success list, does that look perfectly clean every day. And the end of the day, it's like no. check mark done and move on. So it's without we being able to articulate like what I believe in and what I'm trying to accomplish and where I'm going, everyone within my world would have left me a long time ago because it's just (laughs) just the messy world that we live in of entrepreneurship. But without that vision and clarity, I I know for a fact, these talented people that just I'm, I'm honored that let me lead them would have would have stepped out and rightfully so some time ago.
1: Well, I mean, just so you know, like everybody is imperfect, right? I mean, we just like, like you've got you're holding yourself to a really crazy high standard like it's the one thing the principles are not complicated but they're not easy and so like day in and day out like living something anything is hard right because now you've got to wake up every day and try to be consistent with this this directional thing that you're trying to do it's just it's just it's hard i mean gary has bad days i have bad days we all have bad days and Like my parents, I mean, my parents, my kids love to point out when I'm multitasking, they're like, you're multitasking. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm not doing my one thing. It's okay.
0: That's funny. That's funny. Well, one one of the things we talk, you talk about in the book a lot is this idea of uh, gradually then suddenly. And something I've been thinking about a lot with that term is I I think that goes both ways. I think success shows up gradually and then suddenly. And I also think failure a lot of times shows up gradually. Oh, yeah. Then suddenly. And, and as a as a leader right now, one of the things I'm I'm worried about is that um, hard times are gradually showing up for a lot of people in a way that they're uh, not recognizing it or taking action uh, until all of a sudden suddenly it will show up. I'm I'm curious with your coaching company and the people you're interacting with, like how do you how do you navigate that in a changing world where you can you can see because of your expertise, because of your application of hey, you think you are safe right now, but your really, failure is gradually creeping into your world until it will all of a sudden be there. Any thoughts or comments around that conversation and, and it being a timely conversation right now?
1: Gary says something along the lines, uh, you're failing so slowly you think you're winning. Right? And Or you're winning so slowly you think you're failing. It can go both ways. The um That phrase... Gradually and then suddenly. Do you know where that came from? Uh-uh. So a lot of people think of uh, Fierce Conversations by Susan Scott. Yep. As she uses it. That's how relationships end. Gradually and then suddenly. Mm. But it actually came because this is one of my favorite books. I, I think it's The Sun Also Rises by Hemingway. Mm. And the main character was asked, how did you go bankrupt? Gradually and then suddenly. And so the very original context was negative, Mm -hmm. right? You can make the positive is you're making small deposits day by day. You get up, spend an hour doing your one thing, 30 minutes doing your one thing. But over a long enough time, it starts to compound. And that's where you get to that exponential growth. And so it's gradually nothing's happening. And then suddenly you're an overnight success, you know, we did the research on like 100 companies that had gone public and gone big. And on average, they had been kind of toiling in obscurity for 11 years before they, quote, were an instant sensation. Hmm. Gradually, then suddenly. Same time when your, uh, your old softball coach gets a heart attack and has to be taken to the, the hospital. And they say, you've got to stop eating those cheeseburgers. It wasn't the cheeseburger he had lunch that day. It's the one he had every Monday, Wednesday, Friday for the last 10 years, right? So those little negative habits that add up over time. So I just think that uh, we are habits. A lot of our habits, how we move through our days, we're just not conscious. They just kind of, it's our default. That's how I go to work. That's how I go home from work. That's how I dress for work versus trying to be thoughtful about it and making it a choice well that's how my parents did it i mean i know a whole generation of kids that go to a church and it's not like they went on an exploration about what faith they should be it was the faith that they were born into and i think that's still fine but i'm just like that's a that's a faith by default it's not like i mean and it would be hard because of the nature of faith right i was born in the south the odds that i was going to be hindu were incredibly slim right <laughs> that was but that was also by function of where and when i was born the odds that i would end up in one category were incredibly high so that's an extreme example and i apologize to anyone about even going into the realm of faith no. that might just be too far but we're automatic about a lot of things so here's the the trick is can we start choosing our habits consciously because those habits will make us. Now, after all of this, you ask me, what should you do as a leader? Because you've been playing this game. You're seeing it like you're not getting enough sleep or you're eating poorly or you're spending too much and not saving enough, right? Whatever that is, that negative habit that's accruing some sort of negative interest and they're not even aware of it. You saying it won't change the behavior. And my experience, it almost never does. It will make people defensive. So you have to teach them how to think. So you have to ask them questions. You have to start to get them. Like the number one thing, like uh, if you get, like I used to smoke, you go to a psychologist to get you to quit smoking. And it's not my, like I had a million times. I had a friend who's also a counselor and ran a whole clinic. And he goes, where we start always is, I don't want you to cut back at all this week. I just want you to record Every time you smoke or think about smoking. And so the first step, going back to the beginning of our conversation, is awareness, clarity. And he, Monroe, my friend, Dr. Monroe Rayburn, uh, he would often say, like, just the act of counting almost always made someone smoke less. Interesting. Because it was just unconscious. Like, I I have a good meal, I smoke a cigarette. They don't think about it. Someone calls me, I step outside, I smoke a cigarette. So how many cigarettes I smoke is the function of how many calls I took outside. And there are all these triggers that people allow themselves to be triggered by. But by breaking them out of the cycle and just making them aware of it, a lot of times they would say no. And then you can start proactively. So I you average eight cigarettes a day. Let's try that for seven for a while. Yeah. And you progressively move the other direction until it becomes a habit the other way. So... Again, I can soap. I've been nerding out on this, Marcus, for so long. And I feel like it's just a conversation between the two of us because I, I get the sense that you've nerded out on this for a long yeah, time. That's why I'm I smiling. Keep, I don't, I don't want to nerd out so much that all of your listeners just delete the episode. So I'll, I'm handing the reins back to you. I don't even know where we started.
0: My, my listeners are nerds too. So we're good okay. to go. <laughs> it actually reminds me of, I don't know if you ever read the book, uh, The Code of the Extraordinary Mind um But the no. the the pre- one comment he made in that book is he coined this phrase uh, "bull crap rules" and pushed it together and said they are rules and how many of us are showing up based off these rules that we just adopted somewhere along the way, right? Yeah. Was, the reason it was impactful for me is just like you were saying, as I started saying, like I'm gonna gonna watch everything I do by like even down to the point of like, do I put my right foot in my leg first or my left foot and my my pant first? And just like why do i like where why do i do all the things i do and then redecide are these all truths for truths for me or are they just adopted things that i've adopted as truths but they're not really a truth for me yeah it was just this, it was this interesting exercise for me to go through and identify like i've been doing it this way forever why would i do this
1: if we had to think about everything like it was brand new all the time we would get nothing done <laughs> so like it's actually a great gift that we yeah. can make things kind of automatic like, I don't really think about brushing my teeth in the morning anymore. Yeah. But like, if you've raised teenagers, you know, that can take a decade or longer to get that habit beat into them, right? Yeah. And you're like, did you brush your teeth? Let me smell your breath. I don't believe <laughs> you, right? You know? So it's, uh, I don't know. I think it's like, we don't want to over-index on the little things, but the big stuff, right? What what inputs are we taking in? Who, who do we have around us? Who do we hang out with, right? Yeah. By inputs, it's like, what are we giving space in our mind, right? Do you do you have Fox News or CNN, whichever spectrum you're on, blaring in the background all night long? Is that good for you, right? Are you, you know, is it junk food or is it healthy food? And it works for information too. You know, whatever goes in is going to find a, its way out in some. So we just have to be conscious about the, in my mind, the big stuff.
0: Yeah, and I, I think I actually love where our conversation's gone here because I think right now where so many people are putting together their their business plans and goals already for 2024, it I think it's it's the natural inclination, particularly the world we live the world we live in, is to look outwardly with the the those goals of what is the perception of what I'm trying to accomplish, like what will what will be perceived about me to do these things. Where yeah. I actually think it's it's more critical now than ever to start this process process inwardly um and and let the let the um outward results be a reflection of your inner work. Um, yes. Lovely. I, I, just think I love the way you just
1: put that. I agree completely.
0: Good. Makes me feel good that you agree with me.
1: No, oh, I love it. You know, I I wish I'd written down what you how you just said it. It was actually very eloquent. Well, this but It's will be true. Reworded. The inner but- to the outer, right? Whatever whoever started that movement, but it is an
0: inside to outside game for sure. Yeah. So let, let I know our time's about up. Let me ask you this question. I know n- number 1 the the I think the the storyline, the concepts of the one thing are almost in, in a lot of ways more relevant now than ever just people need clarity and direction uh, and really narrowing their focus right now more than ever. Uh, I also know that as uh, an avid writer and um, uh, an executive with, within our world, you're constantly looking at solving tomorrow's problem as well. Just out of curiosity, like what's, what's getting your attention right now from a research standpoint or thought process? And, and you may or may not be able to share some of that with us, but oh, yeah. I'm curious curious to hear what your uh, what your vision is for the next thing you're rolling out and what problem you're trying to solve.
1: The uh, the the next book that will likely come out will it's a as yet unnamed book for new real estate agents. Um, we looked up and uh, so many like you do the research on the people who are given our books, and a lot of them are new to the industry. And as much as I love the Millionaire Real Estate Agent in terms of look at the end and how do I get there, um, the fallout rate for people new to our industry in the first six to twelve months is. Atrocious. Criminal. It's just horrible. Yeah, So many people burn through their savings. They just don't realize how tough it can be. So we made a little SWAT team with Gary's Blessing and started really researching that. So we're 14 chapters into the first draft of that. Awesome. Um, I'm excited about that. That'll probably be out end of next year or early the next spring. I shared with you earlier, um, I've got a copy of the One Thing manuscript just printed out so I can go page by page. And what have I learned since we wrote this basically? So I do think um, I've been, I started collecting second editions and by, by like Ramit Seti and these different people that were coming out like Limitless by Jim Quick just came out and I'm like, Oh, these are thoughtful, smart people. How are they doing a second edition and I started studying them. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's in the works. Um, and I've got like three other manuscripts. Like we've, multiple drafts in to another edition of the Millionaire Real Estate Agent. Uh, I just can't bring it to the finish line without Gary. Yeah. And he's been very understandably focused on other big things in our industry over the last okay. few years. Yeah. Um, what's the other one? A one thing novel. Um, I call it a novel because I don't love fables, the business fable category. Mm-hmm. But I, I do want to create something that embodies the message of the book that's accessible to people who don't read straight business books.
0: I was actually, that was a question I was going to ask you today too, is uh, if I remember right, I remember, I think I heard you say at one point that you were originally attracted to being a fiction writer uh, first and just any, any, any fiction by Jay in the future that we can look for.
1: Well, that would be bad news for your, your nonfiction, because I, I do kind of look at whatever my retirement looks like is I'll spend a lot more time outdoors than I currently get to. And I'll probably write fiction that doesn't ever have to be published. I don't want to pretend that I can start at age 54 and in any way emulate the success the last 20 years of my nonfiction writing. And if I go back, like I started studying nonfiction when I was an editor in the mid-90s. So I'm well 25 years into that journey of understanding how to create nonfiction that reaches a large audience. and so like I'll be kind of I've, I'm an avid reader of fiction, um, but I just I, I will try my hand at it. I would that would be something I regret if I didn't get around to it. yeah, but I also like like you, I'm focused on my wealth building, I've got real estate and business ownership. like I want my retirement to be like, I don't have to sell these books to actually make a living. I just want the activity to be the the end point. Yeah. But I can go, like, I would love to write one with my son. He thinks he might want to be a writer. And uh, awesome. he likes sprawling fantasy and sci-fi. I'm like, that could be fun. Let's go imagine a world together. So, like, we'll see. We'll see
0: what happens. Yeah, love it. Well, you got one reader when you when you write one. <laughs> you, you may regret be, that. <laughs> I'll, I'll be brutally honest with you. My, okay? Good Fiction's thing you have those other,
1: other books. <laughs> I'm sure a fiction writer would say nonfiction's hard. I look up and go, "Wow, fiction's hard." Yeah. Getting dialogue right is
0: hard. Yeah. Wow, sounds either one sounds incredibly challenging. Well, uh, let's let's wrap up our conversation. Uh, number one, I wanted to thank you again for for all you do for our industry, um, and for just sharing some of your time with me today and just uh, being so so approachable. So thank you for that. If you were going to leave, you
1: can't tell. I- I've had a good time. I mean, come on. I love yeah. talking about books and creativity, and I've. I'm passionate about the one thing. It changed my life. It's not just that, oh, we made this thing, this sold a bunch of copies. Like the principles we've embraced in my family. It's changed our lives.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, good. Well, you're you're not alone on that. I I again this is the book I love to give away because it's it's easy to give away a book that you said that can say, this has had a massive impact on me. Not, not here's a book you should read, but it's like, yeah, this has changed me. I would love for you to read it and have a conversation, including my own kids, which has been a fun conversation. Um, if, if you were to leave a, a last message to uh, our, our listeners, these uh, agents, entrepreneurs across the country uh, that are really, uh, as you know, really trying to reinvent themselves right now, get clarity with the, with the uh, mentality to win in the year to come, uh, what advice or, or concepts would you give them or leave them with today?
1: Well, you brought in the, our, our industry, real estate. I think we're in for another really tough year. Yeah. And uh, I'd rather tell people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Yeah. I don't see interest rates coming down any soon. I don't have a crystal ball. I yep. hope I'm wrong. But I'm going to prepare for a very prolonged winter. And so like this is where the tools in the book could really, really be meaningful. If you've got a sense of your mission and vision and values, if you've got your, like even the core values, like why am I doing this to begin with? And is it really worth me fighting through this tough period? Or should I just go look for greener pastures? Like if you have a sense of why real estate or this career, whatever you're doing is, it, it really does power you. That's why we wrote about the big why way back when with a millionaire real estate agent. Those people that were achieving for a long time They were clear why they were doing it. Um, And it's not just about doing more. That's a recipe for burnout. It's about identifying the real priorities and then making a stand around them. I, I find the principles liberating. Yeah, there's a million requests for my time inside and outside the building. I just need to identify the few that matter and I can kind of ignore the rest. I don't have to address all of them. They can, I can end the day and they're not done because i also have done the harder part which is figuring out do they matter or not they don't yeah would it be nice yeah so maybe i'll block an hour on a friday afternoon and just batch through a bunch of that stuff to, but most people start on the stuff they can cross off fast versus the one thing they may not even finish today that they know is most important
0: yeah, and so, it's it, that that's a trap that even even somebody like myself that's been so focused on building a habit not to do that, it's it's a almost a daily battle still
1: to the Everyone it feels like,
0: really good to cross stuff off. It's like us. oh done. I don't yes. have to think about this again. Yeah. But
1: I guess the point of all of it is is like, yeah, the book's old. Yes, the market is tough, but it's like I think the message could still be very appropriate right now to okay. lean into to get a little bit of clarity. Where are you going? Why is it important that you go there? And what's really important right now to keep you going down that path? I think that kind of clarity will help a lot of people navigate this market and come out the other side where all the opportunity will be.
0: I couldn't agree more. I think that's a great note to end on. Um, into Nation, I, I hope that you guys uh, picked up a lot of things from this conversation. I know I, t- I took several notes of, of things that I can do better uh, one thing that I would encourage this group to do is as you're uh, identifying your your business goals for this coming year, do not forget to do the personal work on, uh, on who you are, what you want to accomplish on a personal level this coming year, um, because it's so easy, particularly in a world that's changing where our business is going to beg for more and more of your attention. To realize the other things in your life that are, are a lot of times more important than, than what we're putting our focus on within our business. As you guys know, within the, the world of the whole enchilada, there is a way to win in both worlds, but it starts with that inner focus and, and conversation that we had today. Um, if, if any of you are, are interested in getting deeper in this conversation here towards the end of the year, we will have a whole enchilada uh, end of the year summit where this is what we'll be focusing on is, is getting clarity on how to, how to grow personally. And for those of you that are, are committed to being part of our, our community this coming year, just know that I'm committed to being the best version of me this coming year. Uh, and a lot of what drives me to do that is, is comments I get from this, this community and people within my world. And I feel an obligation uh, to you and my family to be the best version of me. So thank you guys for being part of the journey. Uh, one last thing, Jay, that I would love for you to share with this group is I love getting your 20 uh, or emails. And it's such just a, a, a simple little read, but every time the message is so impactful. Uh, could you tell our listeners what that is and how to how to start getting that email in their inbox every every week?
1: Sure, it's, a, it's just a weekly free newsletter. And it's really for entrepreneurs, angled a little bit, towards real estate, but not about, I'd say a third of our audience is just straight up entrepreneurs, kind of like your podcast. A lot of them are realtors or real estate professionals and just something a business person should know. And I try to make every week unique and fun and short. So like most episodes are two to three minute reads and you'll like this, the month of November this year is going to be November. It's all about how to say no to the stuff that doesn't matter.
0: Yes. Love it. All right, everyone, go go listen to that and uh, enchilada nation. Don't forget, go live life on your terms. Thanks again.